Welcome to Inspiration from American History with Rebecca Price Janney. Today's story is called Near Death Experience. On the tempestuous Christmas night of 1776, snow fell on the remnants of a brave though decimated army. General George Washington decided he must throw what we would call today a Hail Mary pass. Despite the glorious Declaration of Independence just a few months earlier, the Continental Army had gone down to one defeat after another, beginning in August at Brooklyn Heights. They had most recently retreated across the state of New Jersey and the Delaware River into Pennsylvania. An 18-year-old lieutenant from Virginia had dropped out of college to join the Army earlier that year, when it was 20,000 strong, when the prospects for victory seemed much brighter, at least to such a young man. To others, it seemed the epitome of folly to take on the world's strongest military. By the end of 1776, America's ranks had shrunk to under 3,000 weary, underfed, underoutfitted men. On Christmas Eve, the young man listened as General Washington gave orders for the army to recross the ice-choked river. He would attempt to surprise the Hessian troops Britain had hired in order to retake Trenton in the hours before dawn. After their holiday feasting, the Hessians, Washington hoped, would quite literally be caught napping. The youthful lieutenant was to be part of a small detachment to go ahead first, to prepare a secure path for the rest of the troops to follow. Years later, he remembered, the command of the vanguard, consisting of 50 men, was given to Captain William Washington of the 3rd Virginia Regiment. I had promptly offered my services to act as a subaltern under him, which was promptly accepted. As this was happening, a local man approached the unit and, thinking the soldiers were British, behaved in what was described as a determined and profane manner. When he learned they were Americans, however, he brought them food and introduced himself to the lieutenant as Dr. Riker. He said, I know something is to be done, and I am going with you. I am a doctor, and I may just help some poor fellow. The officer gave his permission to come along. He wrote many years later of what took place next. On the 25th of December, 1776, we passed the Delaware in front of the army in the dusk of the evening at McConkie's Ferry, 10 miles above Trenton, and hastened to a point about one and a half miles from it, at which the road by which we descended intersected that which led from Trenton to Princeton for the purpose in obedience of orders of cutting off all communication between them and from the country to Trenton. Unfortunately, getting all the troops across the freezing cold Delaware 
in locally made Durham boats took most of the night. By the time all were safely on the New Jersey side, the surprise attack would have to commence after the sun had already risen. Washington divided his men into two divisions, one that would strike from the north, the other from the south. The attack began at 8 a.m. According to the lieutenant, Captain Washington then moved forward with a vanguard in front, attacked the enemy's picket, shot down the commanding officer, and drove it before him. A general alarm then took place among the troops in town. The drums were beat to arms, and two cannons were placed in the main street to bear on the head of our column as it entered. Captain Washington rushed forward, attacked, and put the troops around the cannon to flight and took possession of them. Moving on afterwards, he received a severe wound and was taken from the field. The command then devolved upon me, and I attacked in like manner at the head of the corps and was shot down by a musket ball which passed through my breast and shoulder. I was also carried from the field. The lieutenant lay at death's door, rapidly losing blood from an artery until suddenly Dr. Riker showed up and knelt beside the young man. He stopped the flow of blood by inserting one of his fingers into the wound. His quick action saved the officer's life. Forty years later, the lieutenant would place his hand on the Bible and take the oath of office as the nation's fifth president. James Monroe would raise that hand slowly, however. The Hessian bullet that pierced him had never been located or removed. Thank you for joining me for Inspiration from American History. For more encouragement from 1776, pick up a copy of my award-winning novel, Easton at the Crossroads. I'm Rebecca Price Janney.